is a good place to find this. You get a blow-by-blow of the arguments by both sides. It provides a fascinating preview of what we might see coming throughout the course of this trial, which is Trump's attorneys making not entirely insane, but definitely outlandish arguments about their needs, about how unprecedented this is, doing a little bit of grandstanding. And the judge essentially calmly, rationally, just not having it and recognizing it for, for what it is. And I think it, it did give this whole date setting thing, did give a little bit of a preview of Trump's team is going to try all the stuff they previewed. Oh, there's a First Amendment, there's executive privilege, there's this, there's that. Maybe the, the Martians and the reverse vampires were involved. But this is where the rubber starts to meet the road, where you can do these things in the court of a public opinion. You can't do these things in an actual court of law because there's a judge who knows more law than you do, and she's just not having it. So, yes, I agree with you. I think it may get pushed a little bit, but this was a reasonable outcome, and it's one that you know just advances the train toward what I, I'm hoping is going to be a uh, Trump prison destination. She, <laughs> prison destination, uh, she was very, uh, uh, I want to say cut them off, but she's very judicial. Now, I know that Trump on Truth Social, you know, deranged judge, anti-Trump, out to get me. But she's acting very judicial, um, holding her temper most of the time. As you point out, from what I read, uh, several uh, times the uh, Trump's def- attorney's kind of fell into that thinking they were in a campaign rally you know, instead of a courtroom. And she, yes. she said a couple of times, lower the temperature, guys. Lower the temperature. You know, we're in a court of law. You're not out there on the campaign trail. Um, she strikes me as trying very, very hard to be judicial. She told the, the Trump's team and Trump himself yesterday, um, look, we are, we are going to administer a court calendar and how you get around that with your campaigning and so on is your problem. This is what we are going to do because you are a defendant in a criminal case, and this is how we treat criminal defendants. I thought it was, as you said, a, a pretty masterful performance. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of a routine at home, kind of like that old Key and Peel sketch where they had Obama's anger translator. And the idea was that, like, Obama was all cool and calm and rational. And then, like, there was the translator, which is like, you insane idiots. Right. You know, and, like, scream. Maybe she goes home and screams into a pillow at night. And I, I thought I detected, I don't know if you saw the same thing, a, a, a massive amount of self-awareness about, the scrutiny here yes. and the need for that judicial temperament, the need to project calm rationality, you know, okay, kids, let's, let's, I wish I had this kind of calm reserve when my kids are going absolutely nuts. And, and the judge is, is showing me the way. Um, I, I was very impressed. I wish I had that kind of calm reserve here on the radio show sometimes with some of the callers. And you know, But I, I don't always hold my, my tongue the way I should. That, that brings me to a question, though, uh, Matt. She has put that protective order in place, no inflammatory statements, uh, no uh, intimidating witnesses or the judge or anybody in this case. And yet he continues to certainly degrade her, if not nobody else. Um, at some point, will she have to call him out on this? Will she have to do something about it? I don't know. I think 
I think it's possible. It really depends to sound like Bill Clinton for a second on what the is is yeah. in that, you know, it, it, it depends on what he does. I sense that she's going to let some shenanigans go. There's going to be a lot of strategic deafness on her part. Um, you know, when I coach soccer, I sometimes appreciate strategic deafness on the part of the referees yeah. because, you know, they could they could ding me up for, for all kinds of things. Um, and she's the referee here. She's probably going to let some stuff slide by because the juice just isn't worth the squeeze on trying to police all of this stuff. It only gives ammunition. It basically gives Trump and his team what they want, right. which is to make political hay out of this. But there are probably lines that she will not allow to be crossed. Um, I don't know what those are, but certainly if he makes a a specific uh, threat uh, of violence uh, against anyone here, especially a judge, I would expect her to lower the hammer on that kind of thing. Um, You know, I I get the sense that, that that would be highly strategic, too, not out of anger, but out of we're going to draw some very bright lines here. That said, I, I, I do expect a fair amount of tolerance. I, and I think she may, uh, again, I have no inside info, this is just my, my best guessing, that uh, she may tolerate some of these attacks on herself, you know, he called her deranged and other things. Uh, if he crosses the line into intimidating witnesses or threatening witnesses mm. or even verbally insinuating a threat to a witness, uh, that may be where the line gets drawn. But I, we'll have to, you know, we'll have to wait and see because I'm just not... I'm just not sure. But I think you're right. I think that she is trying. And I think Jack Smith has been trying as the prosecutor to kind of avoid the skirmishes that could lead to political, that could become political. Just going to stick to the, you know, the old Joe Friday, just the facts, ma'am. Going to stick to the facts. Going to stick to the law. Going to stick to my case. Uh, She's going to stick to uh, keeping this as confined as she possibly can inside the courtroom, as in, inside the boundaries of the legal system, and let the other stuff play out the, the way it can. And, of course, by doing that, she is, and Trump will make this point, and he'll probably be right, she is uh, indirectly impacting the election because uh, I think the trial date is the day before Super Tuesday, if I remember correctly. So, you know, it's going to make a difference. But she's saying, hey, I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm not running for president. I'm running a courtroom. Right. And she actually very specifically said that, which is, you know, the the fact that you she made an analogy to let's say you were a professional athlete. It's like, oh, you've got your season to play. OK, well, you're a criminal defendant now. So we don't have to accommodate that. And in fact, the United States government in the administration of justice is not going to do that. We're, we're not actually going to warp the entire world around you. But I think you're making a, an insightful point in general, about how to handle Trump. There have been two schools of thought based in part on the Italian experience with Silvio Berlusconi. How do you deal with an inflammatory demagogue? Do you challenge all of the chaff that they throw out, or do you let the small stuff go? And there is definitely a school of thought that you have to let the small stuff go. If you get sucked into taking that bait, then you're going to get diverted. You're going to fight all these little brush fires right. and you're going to miss the big stuff. And I think that's good, wise uh, counsel for Jack Smith and for this judge and probably for Democrats. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I'm not sure the Democrats will as individuals or as some groups 
follow that as well as perhaps they should. But I, I think you're right. Stay focused on what's happening here, and let's get to a trial, and let's get to a conviction, hopefully, or to a verdict of some kind, and let's not get distracted by all the stuff around it. I asked our national correspondent, Tom Scateri, last hour, I'm going to ask you, it's purely opinion. You think Trump will take the stand in his own defense in one or any of these trials? Ooh. Ooh, this is a good one. Well done. Um, I think he probably won't. I think that he is, look at his mugshot. My theory here is this is a scared, cowering little boy who um, really, for all of his bluster, is just compensating for the fact that he has no idea. You know, the, the less he knows, the less confident he is, the louder he is, like all bullies. And I think when he's faced with actual danger, with actual consequences here, he is going to be afraid. And I think he is going to listen to his lawyers. His lawyers have got to know that he could create so much more trouble for himself getting tied up in the stand. A lot of their legal strategy through all of his cases, even before he was president, was to keep the man from being deposed because he could so easily perjure himself. And in this case, he could so easily do himself more legal damage or perjure himself. I would be surprised if his lawyers had any interest in him taking the stand. And I think they're going to argue vehemently against him doing so. And I think his fear will force him to take their advice. That's my prediction. I think that he will, in, in to the depths of his soul, want to testify because he believes, look, he has already bamboozled the American people for a, a presidential term and longer. Uh, he believes that the power of his personality will convince everybody that white is black and black is white and red is blue and all that. He, I mean, he believes he can do that. And I think he thinks if he can sit in that docket and, and weave his magic, that he will win. Uh, I think his attorneys will tell him, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir. Unless it looks like this whole thing is lost and they say, what the heck? It's a Hail Mary. <laughs> you can't do any worse. Go for it. And, you know, I think we'll have to wait and see how, how the trial, whichever trial it may be, unfolds. Um, I was reading a piece last night. I want to say Axios. I could be wrong. I was reading a piece last night that uh, talked about the, the dangers that, that testifying for himself opens up for Donald Trump in terms of now he can't take the Fifth Amendment, now he can't waive you know, certain privileges and so on, that it would be a lot easier, uh, it would be a lot tougher for him to uh, avoid a, a hard cross-examination if he was the one having to do it. So I, I don't know. I think he will strain at the belt to get out and, and testify because he believes that he can do it. I can convince the I've already convinced the people to elect me, and I'm a fool, so I, I don't know. I'll have to see. Uh, one more st story from yesterday, and then I want to talk about the 14th Amendment after a break. But uh, Mark Meadows is uh, trying to have his case, which is tied to the Trump case, moved out of Georgia and into the federal court system. That's a pretty big deal if it happens. Um, testimony yesterday, including from Mark Meadows himself, no ruling, or at least I didn't see a ruling come down, uh, but that's a pretty big deal if they were to be able to get this move, that case moved out of the state court into the federal courts. It is potentially a big deal, and I think it previews. There, there are several issues at work here. You know, 
but I think the big one, what the media is focused on is, well, it, it affects where you draw the jury pool from. And are you going to get a more pro-Trump or a more pro or anti-Trump jury pool? But I think the bigger issue here is it previews the core argument that Meadows and Trump are going to use here, which is all of these calls to the secretary of state of Georgia, all of the efforts to pressure election officials in Georgia, they're part of the official duties of the staff and of the president of the United States. They are official acts that are well within the parameters of what the president is entitled to do. That is their core legal argument here. And if they prevail in this, what's been called a mini trial, and get the case moved to federal court, then they might stand a decent chance of those arguments holding up and providing some defense for Trump here. If they do not prevail, then it it goes in the other direction. It's a preview of the fact that those arguments are not going to hold much water. And that leads to a much less effective defense for Trump and Meadows and all the rest of these people. And the other issue is that uh, there's a lot of concern that were he to uh, get through the election and be elected president, I'm not sure that's going to happen, but if he gets elected president, uh, he would have a lot more ability to manipulate what happens to himself. I'm not sure that the issue of pardoning himself is, is, is one that would come in, but he could manipulate the Justice Department at the federal level to, uh, to get himself out of a lot of trouble. So if some of this moves to the federal system, it becomes easier for him to manipulate that. And I guess, as you, you alluded to, um, the, the issue of, of color of your office becomes a bigger deal the, at the federal level. If you can claim you were doing this, especially Mark Meadows, who was a staffer, not the president, if you can claim you were doing this as chief of staff, whether it was right or wrong, you were doing it in your official capacities. There's some protection there. So it do, it's a pretty big deal whether they move it to federal court or not. And I, I, I don't have any sense of that yet. I just don't know what, what's likely to happen there. No, no, nor do I. And I mean... <laughs> Of course, it does evoke the Nuremberg defense, which was I was just following orders and I just broke one of the cardinal rules of politics, which is never refer to Nazi Germany right. <laughs> um, in any kind of a metaphor because it never goes well. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that it's a fully effective defense to say, well, I was acting in official capacity. I was just following the orders of the president of the United States. Um, but it does provide some shield that there is, as you say, uh, a, a the potential to perform actions that are part of the duties of the office. Um, that's that's Meadows' central tentpole of his defense. And so, yeah, if they move the trial, then that suggests that that defense is going to be at least partially effective here. Now, the question that is being raised by some is, does it make any difference whether he has a trial? Is he Should he be automatically disqualified from holding office because of parts of the 14th Amendment? And Matt, I want to talk to you about your take on that, and we can talk about how this supposedly would work, could work, might work when we come back from a break. It's 9.38, till the hour, here on the Watchdog Morning Show, and Taylor Long is here with Ohio Valley Headlines. Good Tuesday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on this August the 29th. 
The man who pled guilty to felony animal cruelty was sentenced yesterday in Belmont County Court. Joseph Lee was discovered beating his husky pup in a St. Clairsville motel room. Judge John Baver noted that Lee has a recent criminal history of domestic violence, brandishing a deadly weapon, and driving impaired. He sentenced Lee to six months in the county jail, six months in East Ohio Correction Center, and two years of court supervision. He cannot own or be around companion animals. His lawyer says Lee suffered from PTSD from six years in the Army National Guard as well as alcoholism. And officials are still looking for a missing teen this morning who could be in the Wheeling area. The Kanawha County Sheriff's Office is looking for 15-year-old female Rowan Wheeler. She's been missing since Saturday morning. Officials say she left with her boyfriend, Noah McCardle, to go to a nearby convenience store but never returned. She was last seen wearing a black shirt and white stripe brown crop top style shirt, black Nikes, and carrying a backpack. She has red hair and green eyes and is 5'9 and 180 pounds. At this time, Rowan is not believed to be in any danger. If you have any information on her whereabouts, you're urged to contact the Sheriff's Office at 304-357-0558. And one community is stepping up to provide help and resources to Payton City. The city of Sistersville is doing its part to help their neighbors in Payton City that are dealing with an ongoing crisis. Payton City is still under a do not use order for the town's water supply, so Sistersville decided to provide them with some resources. They opened their pool house and camping grounds for residents of Payton City. The pool house has functioning showers for residents to use, and they are also welcome to use the campgrounds to access the water pumps. The mayor of Sistersville explained why they decided to help. The full details can be found at WTRF.com. That was a look at your headlines. Have a terrific Tuesday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. Why? Just think about it. Why is the number one selling brand of chainsaws not sold at Lowe's or the Home Depot? We can give you over 10,000 reasons. That's how many authorized local steel dealers you can find across the country. Visit one and you'll find a range of dependable gas and battery powered tools from trimmers to blowers. And you'll find service from experienced professionals. Real steel. Find yours at steelusa.com. Lowe's and Home Depot are trademarks of their respective companies. You want a hospital rising up to the challenges of today's healthcare demands. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital delivers the right care close to home. Developing new and exclusive services. Recruiting top surgeons. Featuring the highest level of orthopedic surgery, improving healing, rehab time, and outcomes. Offering innovative heart care through our WVU Heart and Vascular Institute. Establishing outstanding urology services with a highly experienced urologist and staff. Providing comprehensive, world-class women's health services. And equipping the WVU Cancer Institute at Wheeling Hospital with cutting-edge science for the highest standard of care. We embody the mountaineer spirit, building upon strong traditions, moving forward with compassion. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital, delivering the right care at the right place at the right time. Need a new suit? Looking for a good book? Searching for a unique gift? The Ohio Valley's premier shopping choice is the Highlands. Find jewelry, hot new tech, arts and crafts, over two dozen stores to visit. From Walmart and Target to Cabela's, Menards, Kohl's, and Old Navy. Plan a day out of shopping, dining, and entertainment at the Highlands. At the top of the hill off I-70. See it all online at hitthehighlands.com. 
on FM, on AM, online, on demand, and on video. We are where you are. The Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe is here now. Until the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. It's going to be a nice day today. In fact, a nice week all week, mainly sunny all week long. During the work week, we'll be in the mid-70s. By the weekend, into the 80s. And by Labor Day, we'll be up close to 90. But it's going to be a really sunny whole period. 67 at the airport, 66 at the Highland, 72 in my backyard in Elm Grove. And 64 degrees here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Bob, before I get back to Matt Robeson, off the Frio Stack Auction Service text line, uh, comments about you and I as our comments were, as our discussions were going earlier. You too, meaning you and me, you too are blind fools. But I like you both, and your show is entertaining. So. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I care about. As long as we're entertaining you, that's, uh, that's the important thing. We may be blind fools, but we're entertaining. Matt Robeson is not a blind fool. He is a uh, political uh, analyst here with us uh, frequently. And we're talking now, Matt, about this whole concept of the 14th Amendment. The Section 3 of the 14th Amendment says a public official was not eligible to assume public office if they, quote, engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States or had given aid and comfort to the enemy. There is, I won't say a huge number, but there is a growing number. There are a growing, there is, there is a growing number of, of scholars who are suggesting the 14th Amendment may just come into play here with Donald Trump. That's right. This got kicked off when a pair of ultra-conservative legal scholars, and I need to emphasize this, that these are very conservative Federalist Society, for your listeners who know who those folks are, Federalist Society legal scholars. One of them helped found the Federalist Society. Okay, we're talking about the farthest right of right-wing legal scholars. They have argued in a new uh, uh, legal piece, it's 100 pages, it's really worth reading, um, that, yes, not only does the 14th Amendment come into play here, and that's something people have talked about for a while, that Trump, by leading an insurrection, which he did, is not eligible to hold office. And in fact, we've seen the 14th Amendment invoked already for some of the people who participated in the insurrection. But their new legal argument, and this is the critical thing here, is that it's self-executing. What that means is we don't need to have a finding of, of criminal culpability here. We don't need a conviction that secretaries of state can, on their own authority, determine that he is ineligible to appear on the ballot and they can remove him from the ballot. And in fact, as we talk right now, fresh this morning, literally, but well, I guess published uh, late last night, um, there is a feud erupting in New Hampshire that we're going to talk about with our New Hampshire political experts uh, on my show, Beyond Politics, former Congressman Paul Hodes of New Hampshire and a conservative uh, political consultant, Alicia Preston, with whom I wrote a Newsweek article last week. Uh, we're about to talk about this in, in just a few minutes uh, and get the inside scoop on this, because in New Hampshire, New Hampshire Republicans have erupted into a feud 
because a formerly pro-Trump Senate candidate has filed with the Secretary of State to keep Trump off the ballot. And so the point is, this is going to happen. This is is already starting to happen in the states. That's an important point of this whole process. Again, let's begin with the 14th Amendment. Invoking the 14th Amendment does not require any kind of criminal conviction. Uh, it It can be done by state elections officials, and ordinary citizens can file challenges on the same grounds with the state election officials that they choose to. So... It sounds like that's what's happening in New Hampshire. you got people saying, wait a minute, this needs to be dealt with, whether or not the Secretary of State chooses to move forward with it on his own, his or her own. I don't know who your Secretary of State is, but his or her own. But, um, but a citizen says, no, let's, let's get this going. Um, but but let's, we'll talk, i only got a few minutes here now, but let's talk this through. What happens? All right, so you have a handful of states that say, okay, we're, he's not eligible. What happens? I mean, okay, what's... So he's not on the ballot in certain states. Does that just take away his electoral college count or what? Well, I think a few things happen, and this is, this is really tricky. And I, I think, all right, here, here's what we can assume. Let's play the movie. One, he doesn't appear on the primary ballot, so he's not eligible to get let's say let's say this happens <laughs> right he doesn't appear on the primary ballot which means he's not eligible to get the uh, the delegates in the Republican primary contest right. from those states will that matter in terms of the nomination given his current lead which is approximately 35 points as of today according to the 538 polling averages it probably won't, but just remember that these are a primary contests, nomination contests are a delegate race. It's not a polling race. It's a delegate race. Correct. And so it could matter. It depends on how many states and where. Oh, that's that's one consequence. The other consequence, and this is what worries me, is that if you read the rest of the Fourteenth Amendment, it refers to giving aid and comfort to enemies of the Constitution um, and those who have sought to undermine the Constitution. And so what's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. And my concern here is this is going to happen, right? Already, and remember, the guy who brought this challenge in New Hampshire is a Republican. He's a Republican lawyer, Corky Mesmer. Uh, He ran for the U.S. Senate with Trump's endorsement in 2020. And... So this is going to happen. There are going to be Republican yahoos who are going to file the exact same motions about President Biden. Yeah. And they're going to say, you know what? He's failed to enforce the border laws or some crap like that. And therefore, he has undermined the Constitution. He is ineligible to appear on the ballot. By the way, this is not that outlandish in Republican circles. This is the exact same set of grounds that Republican members of the U.S. House of Representatives were trying to impeach Secretary Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. So it's not a novel argument for Republicans. And it only takes a handful of Republican secretaries of state to say, yep, we agree with this. We're keeping the president of the United States off the ballot. And you have a real mess, mess. on your hands. Yep, so, yep, yep. That, and that, I, that's... I, I, that unfortunately yeah. is not out of is is by no means out of the question at all. 
and I guess there is a failsafe in this too. I should point out that the Fourteenth Amendment says that two thirds of Congress can override anybody's decision to do that. So there's a, a congressional fallback on on this as well. Uh, what's your best guess? Again, I keep asking for best guesses because none of us know. Uh, well, well, there. Well, you said in New Hampshire, there's going to be there's at least an effort being made. I mean, do you think there will be? Is there a shot that he will not be on certain ballots? What's your best guess? Howard, this is the most important issue. I, I hate predictions because they're sure to be wrong, which is why I like to do a segment on my show, predictions that are sure to go wrong. I predict that this is going to be the topic that you and I talk about. As we start to see more of each other, you and I are going to be talking about this in two months. Yeah, I think because so, too. This is going to be a super hot topic, and people should start to pay attention now because there's really not a way not only to put toothpaste back in the tube, but to keep the toothpaste in the tube in the first place. As you said, it only takes a handful of enterprising people in the states to bring these kinds of challenges, and each state is going to evaluate on their own. Uh, yeah, right but, as you, but as you said, uh, it could it could work both ways. And I never even thought about that. But you're absolutely right. I could easily see if this gets any momentum going, then I could see. Uh, and, and frankly, in states like West Virginia, where the secretary of state, who I just like personally, is just a Looney Tune right winger, uh, was talking about CIA plots to overthrow the government just this past week. I could see him buying into the we better try to keep Trump off, or keep Biden off the ballot, too. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I never thought about that. That's a real distinct possibility. Matt, once again, we're out of time. i got to run. As I said at the beginning of the segment, I suspect we'll be talking more frequently than we used to as this Trump story reaches its crescendo, whatever that crescendo may be. And uh, I'll be talking to you again soon. All right. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. People can check you out at Beyond Politics on the podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Also the Blue Amp uh, YouTube channel. Got to go. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Matt Robeson, uh, political analyst with us here this morning on the Watchdog Morning Show. Uh, news commentator, no, not news commentator, news reporter, uh, Bob Westfall. Forgot his name. Well, how could I do that? Bob Westfall coming up next, Watchdog Morning Show. Save 11% on Menard's unbeatable selection of Atlas roofing products. Castlebrook, Briarwood, and Pinnacle Shingles feature a limited lifetime warranty, up to 130-mile-per-hour wind warranty, and a super-wide design for fast installation. Protect your home for years to come and save 11% on all Atlas shingles right now at Menards. Good through September 4th, savings are a mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Save big money at Menards. You want sports talk? We got the goods all night long. Tune into Sports Map Radio. Evenings and overnights on FM 98.1, AM 1600. We are the Watchdog. Spend your summer mornings with us. News, information, conversation, controversy, and fun. The Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Make a new plan, stand. You don't need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. Hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just jump off the key, leave, and get yourself free. Hey, 
Line. Dave Wilson still filling in for Hoppy Kirchival. Among the guests will be uh, Jeff Jenkins, a news reporter for Metro News, will be talking about the flooding down south. Also, some discussion about the WVU faculty senate's opinion on the uh, cutbacks and reorganizations at uh, WVU. All of that coming up with Dave Wilson beginning at 10.06. But right now, let's talk with uh, Bob Westfall from the Big 7, WTRF-TV. Good morning, Bob. Morning, Howard. How's everything in your world? It's it's you know what? I, it's been a good morning. I've been excited. Have, got through the show real well. Didn't get much sleep last night. I went. To, I could not get to sleep. Um, I, I had like one hour of sleep before I had to get up and come in here. And I was dragging this morning. I thought, man. I told Bob earlier I may have to go sleep on his couch for a little bit in his office. But then I picked up. You know, doing the show picks me up. I'm all excited now. Oh, good. Good for you. That sounds great. I'm sure that's the way things are at your work. Whenever you know, maybe you feel a little down and out, but you get there and you sit in your chair, and no. bam! No, uh, coming in to work knowing that I'm working with Brenda Danehart every day just fires me up just beyond belief. I, I can listen. I can understand that. But she's standing there beside you, Bob. She hear you. Is that, what, <laughs> is that why you said that? Yeah, she's with it here. That's what we thought. That a boy. <laughs> I don't know anybody who has a more pleasant disposition though than Brenda. I, I mean that sincerely. Oh, I, I 100% couldn't uh, couldn't agree more. Tell her we said hello. Indeed. Please. Hey, a quick a quick a TV7 comment, and then we, I want to get to the uh, uh, news of the day. I really was sorry to see uh, Catherine's going to be leaving. Yes. Um, yep. Uh, I think September 7th, her last day. And are you asking somebody else there, or are you just telling me that? I'm uh, uh, telling you that. Okay. I, I'm really sorry to see that. I really think... Uh, She's been a tremendous asset to you guys and has done a really good job. But, uh, oh, yeah. Just, you know, and just a nice person, you know. I mean, not all news people are nice people. All, all of your people are, of course, but not all people are nice people. But I, I think that she just, a nice person does a great job. And she is a rock star, so. Shall yeah. be, shall certainly um, be missed, no question about it. All right. right, let's talk about what you're working on today. All right, a few things we're working on today. Uh, food distribution, Ohio County uh, Family Research Network and Mountaineer Food Bank will be at the casino today uh, beginning at 11 a.m. Oh, yeah. uh, for their uh, annual food distribution. I think the next one's not until October, I think Halloween, actually. Uh, so we will be over there to find out what they're doing, uh, what the kind of situation is. Uh, I know when we made it through COVID, it was like really uh, – uh, running out of everything. Everything was just a bad situation. So see how things are going now with the new year and things like that. So uh, Jake McGuffey is going to be covering that one. Uh, DK's got a story. Uh, what, do you, what do you do if you're a freshman in college, you go to college, and all of a sudden you start getting all these uh, letters and emails and things about new credit cards and great credit oh, cards yes. and do this and do that. Uh, so we're going to have uh, sit down with our financial guy. DK is working on that today. About uh, what do you do? I mean, obviously, you know, I think I saw I think I saw someone mention the other day uh, they saw a credit card with like a thirty percent. I'm like, wow. So um, so what do you tell your kids? Um, what do you need to know? So we're going to work on that. I today. remember those days when I was a college freshman. Man, you get all you 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 feel like you're a rich. Oh my God, they're giving me this credit card worth you know. Thousands of dollars. Oh yes, give it. A, let me have it. Let me have it. And then, yeah, you, then uh, you realize, oh, then I got to pay it back. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised at your age. It just wasn't like gold blooms or something like that. <laughs> but anyway. <sighs> 
right. uh, anyway, uh, Congressman Johnson is going to be in the air. He's going to be in Steubenville today. I know at noon he's going to be talking to the Steubenville Kiwanis. Uh, and then he's got a meeting at Skiwiti's Lunch uh, uh, Restaurant, uh, kind of talking about broadband and the importance of broadband for smaller businesses like uh, Skiwiti's Restaurant and different things that are uh, trying to pop up here in the Ohio Valley. So uh, Jake will be covering that this afternoon. So Bill Johnson's in the area, so we'll have that. Uh, this is kind of interesting, and, and I don't have all the details, but it's called Crayons Ready to Eat. The former Marine set up a company, and it's a Crayons Ready to Eat, which is short for CREs, yeah. um, after the MREs. Right. Uh, so it's uh, kind of a situation, and Lisa's uh, working with the, uh, covering that story right now. So probably have more on that in our 5 o'clock, but... Not sure what it all is yet, so we're uh, kind of excited about what that's going to turn out to be. Well, I, you know, and I told then, my kids not to eat the crayons. Are you telling me we should eat the crayons now? I have to watch the story uh, to find out. I guess if you're a Marine, you do. Oh, okay. I'm curious on that one. Uh, story out of Brook County. Taylor's covering it here in a little bit. Uh, EMS uh, has uh, they found gas tanks where they're putting in their uh, EMS Crown Garage. Um, so. We're going to find out what uh, what is next uh, for uh, for the garage up there. Uh, this was a plan had been a plan in place for a while. Uh, so anyway, we'll be popping into Brook County Commission to see what they've got to say about that. Uh, right, that sounds like a pretty preview. That's a pretty good wrap yeah. up there because I get to hit the ten o'clock break. So I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I talked too long earlier. I apologize. But uh, no, okay. people can check things out at noon, 5, 6, 10, 11, 5, 30, the statewide show, always at WTRF.com and always with the Storm Tracker 7 app and the news app. Bob, we will do it again to, no, we won't do it tomorrow. We'll do it again on Thursday. We'll In the meantime, Thursday, my have yourself a great day. We'll talk to you soon. And we'll talk to all you tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock. The Watchdog Morning Show will get underway right here. You come back with me? I guess you got to because you're coming in. Are with you me. picking me up? I'll pick you up. We'll all be here together again tomorrow morning. See you tomorrow. 50 ways to leave your lover. You just slip out.